there. Welcome to Interviews on Between the Pieces, where Tank and DPS go to protospiels, other conventions, and talk to prototype designers and figure out where they are with their works in progress. So this is Tank and DPS Tabletop News. We're at Protospiel Online in the beginning of January, and we're here with Matthew Hocker. Say hi, Matthew. Hey, hey hello. <laughs> I didn't say hi, actually. I said hey and hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's go ahead and kick this interview off. Where are you from, and what brings you to Protospiel online? Um, yeah, so I am from Alexandria, Virginia, right outside of the D.C. area. Um, Protospiel online is actually sort of... It's interesting. So I, I feel like I'm going to give a longer answer than I should here, but I'm going to do it anyway. You're fine. Uh, awesome. The uh, online playtesting world has grown massively in my opinion over the last six months for a variety of obvious reasons that um well, the biggest one being uh, the current pandemic that we're facing mm -hmm. um but all of these spaces have kind of grown and grown and grown and as a result you know uh, designers have sort of flocked to all these different communities some that sort of are um continuous like weekly play testing monthly play testing that sort of thing and some that are are more quarterly or yearly that sort of thing that have moved into an online space um, I primarily have been working with a uh, playtesting with a group called Break My Game and playtesting mm -hmm. games in that environment. Um, and I had heard about Protospiel in that community, and I said, "Well, that sounds really interesting." Um, and I was I, I was really curious, like, what would I, what were the what are the big things I'll get out of this that I don't get out of a regular playtesting environment that's like continuously looping? Mm -hmm. And it turns out it is a much different environment, and that there's a lot of unique things that you can get out of like a a dedicated weekend of playtesting, and that's been really cool to experience and see. So here's here's a bunny trail for this one that I'm kind of curious. What's the difference between Protospiel and this Break My Game? So there are communities like Break My Game, and there's another big one called Virtual Playtesting, and they do weekly playtesting for, like, segments. But usually it's not an all-day experience. Usually there's, like, a, a set number of hours, or there's a smaller number of games, or... It's sort of, it's just, a, in general, it's a more condensed experience. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to this, you're also really working with this, uh, you, you see a lot of familiar faces, right? Yeah. So um, over time, you're, you're kind of in a feedback loop with a lot of different designers and, mm, and some playtesters yep. that you've kind of worked with previously. Um, getting back into the dedicated all-weekend event has been very refreshing because you're getting fresh eyes on everything constantly, as opposed to sometimes. Um, in, in, in addition to that, it's, it's un, it becomes unfamiliar territory mm -hmm. again, which I think is very useful to put a game in, in the making into as often as you can. Um, and I, I think sort of one of the, the revelations I had this weekend is I had gotten comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd been working on a game for a while, and in that, in that area I'd gotten comfortable sharing it because there were a lot of familiar eyes who have played it before. And so it's easier to sort of justify any of the struggles the game might have because like if they get, people get used to it yeah. if they've encountered it enough and so when you bring it into that fresh environment it's like a it's a whole new set of eyes it's a whole new set of perspectives and it's it's very just good and humbling to get that extra information on something you may have thought oh this is this is perfect uh, and so you can <laughs> the it, halo it, effect right and so you kind of you can sort of just travel down that new experience and apply that to everything in the game so do you think we're going to be going to see your face whenever in the heck Protospiels are live again up in the northwest area or northeast Ooh. area? Uh, possibly. Uh, that is a, a bit of a hike, but I, I think so. One, one of my goals in uh, 2020 that failed miraculously was to 
uh, go to a variety of nationwide and maybe even global conventions if I could swing it. Mm -hmm. um, that did not work. So let, we'll see if that becomes a goal maybe at the tail end of 2021 or starting in 2022. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, the board game community has been good. It has been a amazing world to explore and, and settle into and, and, and meet new people and sort of network and experience a lot of fun things that I didn't even know existed, frankly, a couple of years back. Well, and I, so I know right now, Perspiel Madison's planning on going next December. Nice. Which uh, hopefully by then. And I think the closest one from where we are here in Michigan to where you are would be, I think there's Protospiel Cleveland. I think there is right. too, yeah. I, I think the answer is, is yes. I think I, I, I will want to do that as soon as I can. Awesome. So how has the convention been so far for you? Obviously, it's been enlightening. <laughs> it's been good. It's been comfort. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I was uh, mentioning this earlier. It's one of the things that has been interesting for me is I... When you're in a physical convention space, at least for me, I, I can go nonstop all day, all weekend, and I don't feel exhausted. I don't feel tired. And I think part of that is in a physical space, there's almost this adrenaline that you have going mm -hmm. all day. You're in a, I'm, a, I'm a major extrovert as well. So I, it's like always charging me. That's I'm awesome. like when I'm, when I'm around folks. Uh, but in an online environment, I feel exhausted after, oh. at the end of this weekend, but in, in a good way. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I, I think part of it is there's this sort of juxtaposition of you're on point, you're still socializing, you're doing, you're communicating in a way that you probably are going to communicate in the physical space. You're very active, you're very thinky, but you're also wearing comfy pants, eating <laughs> cheesecake like I was doing about 15 <laughs> minutes ago, uh, with a blanket and your dog, and 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 so like I, there's this sort of exhaustion that comes out of that because I'm in a natural state where I'm normally would be just doing nothing or I would mm -hmm. be, you know, at, at home living my home existence, but I'm in a work heavy, heavy, like work active mindset mm -hmm. um, this weekend. And so it's, it's been kind of interesting juggling those two worlds. Do you think if you did like tabletop VR versus sitting at the desktop would help with that? It's a good question. I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd have to try it. Uh, maybe. I, I think I, I, I had a chuckle because I was playtesting one game on Tabletop Simulator earlier that uh, the, the, the developer had put in wooden chairs at the table for the game, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. I was like, finally, I can finally sit down at one of these games. Not just be and a I, hovering. <laughs> yeah, I, I made my, my cheesy dad jokes about that, and that was, that was a good time. Awesome. Well, your cheesy dad jokes are, jokes are welcome here. Awesome. Good to know. <laughs> so which game have you brought to Protospiel? Um, so I've, I've brought two games to Protospiel. The first game is called Bittersweet, which is a uh, game about collecting your favorite chocolates and avoiding chocolates you find yucky. Uh, and some of the yucky chocolates in that game are chocolate-covered vegetables, which who would want to eat those? Uh, turns out some people do want to eat those sometimes. I've, I've learned from playtesting, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's how it is. I'm trying um, to think of a vegetable that would work. So, okay. I, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down a, a, a bunny trail real quick here. Uh -huh. So. Uh, I some of the chocolate covered vegetables in my game are chocolate tomatoes, chocolate covered onions, chocolate covered fruit, chocolate covered. I, well, th there is a whole world of argument about that. <laughs> I think that's I, I think I, that's I, left for a, a different whole podcast. Whole world of argument. So chocolate, but but uh, admi admittedly, the tomato is a reference to my first game that I, I published in 2019. Um, but yeah, there there uh, chocolate covered olives, chocolate covered garlic, all these different things, and. I had one player who revealed the chocolate-covered garlic in the game, and they were looking at it, and they go, this looks really good. 
And I go, really? And they're like, yeah, I go to a annual garlic convention and I get the chocolate covered garlic and it's amazing. I was like, what? Like, like, never mind that the chocolate covered garlic looks good. But there's a garlic convention, which I guess makes sense. There's conventions for everything. There is a convention for everything. And I... they get the chocolate covered garlic there. And I was like, that's awesome. I will say that when you went through that whole list, both of us are sitting here just kind of going, okay, okay, okay. And you got the chocolate covered garlic. We both kind of looked at each other and, th- and this thought look just went over both of our faces like, would, would that, that be work? good? <laughs> like, someone, someone mentioned they would love the chocolate covered olives. I loathe olives with every fiber of my Only black green, olives so for me. <laughs> oh, I don't want to do green do olives, no stuffed olives. Eric hates raw tomatoes. I can eat them like apples. Oh, well, I'm, I'm curious if <laughs> you would eat a chocolate covered tomato. If it was a garden fresh, not like from the store, not been refrigerated, chocolate covered cherry tomato, that would be interesting. Okay. okay what if it's co- what if it's covered in white chocolate? Ew. Ugh, white chocolate's not chocolate. Okay. That's not chocolate. Yeah, this. Okay. So there's. <laughs> right. Then you get into the peak uh, what, chocolate. What, but <laughs> I I was doing so when I was doing research for this game, there's an entire online world of chocolatiers. Um, hold on, I think. Oh, there's an entire world of chocolatiers that are constantly arguing about what is and isn't chocolate. Um, <laughs> I'm not the, surprised. The, the, like the debate about white chocolate has been going on for I don't know 70 years, <laughs> and it's still actively going. And uh, more recently, there was a, a chocolate announced somewhere in Europe called Ruby Chocolate. Yeah, the pink so the chocolate. Other... Right, and so that's the new thing. Is is this chocolate? And that's an even more ferocious argument. And I have. <laughs> When I was researching for my game, I just, I loved it. And I, um, my, my chocolate game has flavors and it has, uh, white chocolates, dark chocolates, uh, milk chocolates. And the fourth flavor I've made crimson chocolates as a reference to it. And instead mm-hmm. of pink, they're red, but I, I, I wanted to do Ruby, but I was worried that since it's such a new thing and it might be copyright, there were so many weird things about Ruby chocolates. Mm-hmm. I was like, eh, eh. so I like, I'll do a fictional coding and I just, I just rolled with it. So, but, uh, it, I, I guess what inspired this game? Um, so before I fo- really focused on this one, um, the other game I was working on before this, which is I also brought to Frodo's Field, is called Sheep, which was a five to ten player hidden role social deduction game. Uh, okay. that, but the the goal of that one was to be super simple, um, and it for it to be not about removing players but defending players hmm. and the possibility of roles changing. And so I, I wanted to sort of have that experience where sheep are trying to protect each other and wolves in sheep's clothing are trying to become sheep basically and take over the the influence of the herd and thus you know eventually i guess eat the sheep that might be one of the few social deduction games i would actually play cool um but i I, because it was five to ten players uh when covid started it became really difficult to play test that in a physical space Mm -hmm. and so i kind of went back to like thinking well what what Number one, what can I play test now, and what can I play now, and what do I feel? What do I feel would be welcomed and enjoyed and, and loved in this moment? What's something that would make me happy, and what's something that I think would make people happy? And I thought, well, well, chocolate is very happy, and that's that's a very happy thing for a lot of folks. It's a, it's a little bit of joy, mm-hmm. and and I I realize that there's always a lot of fun when you have like a box of chocolates and you take a random chocolate to try to see what it is, and sometimes you love it, and other times you're like, ugh, what is what is this? Uh, and at least 
for me because I'm very picky with chocolate. Well, it, it depends how adventurous I'm feeling when you get because so where I work, some of our vendors will send gifts around different holiday times and during Christmas and Valentine's, those random boxes of chocolate can show up. Mm-hmm. And if you open it up and it's got like the little map saying this one's this, this one's this, it's like, okay, yeah, that's safe. I know how to avoid some of those like raspberry and orange filled chocolate things. Right. And But if I open it up and there's no map, it's like, ooh, ooh, do I have something to chase whatever this is I'm about to eat with? <laughs> right. Well, uh, in this game, there is no map. Everything, every chocolate is individually wrapped, and so you oh. you lay out a bunch of chocolates in the beginning of the game. And you take the, you can you can reveal them. You basically can open them up for everyone to see, but you're potentially giving other players information, or you can mm-hmm. just take them face down. But you might get something that's really bad that you don't want, and so there's a bit of a push your luck mechanic and and trying to decide you know how to how to manage the different risks in the game in terms of what you're looking for versus what you want to avoid versus how much you want to let your opponents know versus mm-hmm. you know. Just trying to get as many points as possible off the chocolates you do like. So I, I see that you sent us this in a, a Kickstarter link. Are you taking this one to Kickstarter? I am. So this will be the second game that I have kickstarted. Um, awesome. I'm I'm, pre- I'm pretty excited about it. Um, it's it's definitely a different world though. Uh, my first game, I went to conventions for a year uh, and a half, probably demoing and meeting folks, and it is not the same this year. It's 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 yeah. a very different kind of environment. And admittedly, I. I've struggled to kind of figure out the best way to navigate that world and, and sort of make things work. Cause I, I feel very social as a, as a yeah. person, but in an online space, it's not something that I, I've, I figured out how to be in, in terms of in, in the board game environment. And so that's been an interesting journey for me to kind of bridge those gaps and, and kind of improve that part of myself in terms of how I socialize and navigate. So what kind of changes have you done from the first Kickstarter to this Kickstarter to hopefully have equal success? Um, honestly, a lot of it is just it repurposing. So it, with the first Kickstarter, going to those physical conventions was everything. You have opportunities to get eyes on your game constantly, and that's a really big deal. Um, a lot of the classic things that you'll see in, in board game dev forums and Facebook groups and all that kind of stuff, some of it I, I kind of feel is eh, but some of it really does apply. And, and one of those things is is building up an email list of folks mm-hmm. that are interested in what you're doing that want to follow along the journey that you know want to support your goals and and your dream to, to make a game and also because they, they really like the game they, they want to support it they want that game on their table or on their shelf so they can play it with people that they love and care about um and so in this environment it's harder to sort of have that connection and i think i think in that sense it's possibly more expensive so you're gonna have to pay more for marketing mm-hmm. you're gonna have to really push to get your game um, in, uh, involved with content creators who have an audience who want to share your game, who want to share other games, who want to connect with people and bring some, you know, some joy to a variety of folks. And I think that's really been the bigger push this year is that you can't sort of be your own marketer as a person as well. You really have to collaborate with a lot of other folks in the industry. You have to kind of collaborate with um, groups and websites and pages that really want to uh, build and create content. And you, you still have to go to conventions like Protospiel. You have to go to online conventions where players are. You really have to put yourself there, but it's definitely a little more difficult to make your presence known or, or stand out. It's easier to go to the quote-unquote cons. However, it's harder to be in the quote-unquote cons. Yes. Um, I, I will say that I, I've been spoiled by a local physical convention near me. 
um, which which actually had some some controversy recently, and I may not be returning. But but before I knew about that, uh, it was called Magfest, and I I felt they did a very good job of treating the um, tabletop designers very well there. Essentially, you would apply for an indie dev badge, and they would give you three free tickets. They would give you your own table. You could uh, have it the whole thing the whole weekend. Uh, you got an ins- assigned parking spot, which was oh, pretty wacky. I have um, never were, seen that. Oh. And you were given a guaranteed hotel room. I was spoiled by wow. that convention. Right. Um, and so they, they treated their tabletop designers very well. They did a lot of really cool things. Um, they even would walk around the room for uh, people demoing their games. And they would give you mag coins, which are like an in-convention currency that you give to people playing the game. <laughs> um, and so it, it created a very positive environment, in my opinion, for the tabletop space because they really took care of you and they made sure you had an opportunity to do your best and and really, you know, highlight the the, the biggest pros and the biggest welcoming experience of a of a tabletop of the tabletop world you can provide. I would say we've been to a lot of cons and I've sold an artist alley at a lot of cons. We've done tables you know doing games at cons and stuff like that yep, running game libraries it, that is ridiculous i would give my left arm to have a guaranteed parking I, spot at each one of our cons no i i, I, yeah. I, I don't want to get into the exact drama as to why you left but the fact or the, considering not going back but the fact that you're not considering going back to that that's probably pretty telling pretty pretty telling on how yeah. bad it was Hopefully they're going to make some changes. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. A lot of conventions this upcoming year, the ones that are able to get in later in the year, are going to have to be, be doing some major overhauls to be able to get people back, for them to feel safe, the organization that they're going to need. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. So, on a slightly different note, what's something that you wish you had known before you started making either this game or another game that you've made? Um, I think the thing that I, I wish I had known most is when I, when, I, when, I, when I did my first game, I didn't realize the the opportunity and uh, communication that you get from other game designers, right? Uh, I, I When I first started, I felt so alone. And there were a lot of things that I kind of picked up and learned on my own that now that I am sort of in this world... I, I probably would have found out and discovered and improved upon much faster through communication and uh, iteration and collaboration of all of the different designers that sort of come together and, and you know, help each other sort of navigate this space. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing for me is that I, this year, because everything has been online, it's been a really fantastic opportunity to connect with a lot of people. And I, I think that has helped my game and, and frankly, most of the games that I have come across grow quickly and improve quickly and and just uh, offer a lot of information for designers that I think would be a lot harder to come across in a physical space. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you'd like to plug, tell people about when's the upcoming Kickstarter, hopefully going to launch things like that? Sure. So I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll say a couple of things for, for those out there that are designing a game or interested in designing a game, you know, you can do it. It's 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 a, it's an interesting process. It's a long process, but it's a lot of fun. And you know, don't be discouraged. Uh, you you got it. Uh, I am always available to help or playtest or answer questions. I I really strive to be a resource for others. It's so important because uh, this is a tough thing to do. Making your own game is tough, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of challenges and roadblocks along the way potentially. Um, so I, w- I would say, like, if you can, join an online community. I recommend Break My Game. I really love that area, uh, that Discord channel specifically. 
uh, virtual play testing. I know there's also um, Seattle tabletop game designers. There's a, there's a, a bunch out there. So definitely look into that sort of those sorts of communities. Um, I'm at twitter.com slash coogamesmat, C-O-O gamesmat, if you want to follow along or message me there. Um, and you can actually snag my first game composition on coo.games is the URL for that. I'm launching Bittersweet, a delectably devious game of chocolates, uh, later this spring, hopefully in April. And so you can find that on the, I think in Kickstarter, you can search for that and you can add your email to the list if you wish to be notified. Awesome. Well, right. thank you very much for talking to us. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for listening to interviews on Between the Pieces with Tank and DPS. See you next time.